Welcome to the Best of God Reports podcast. I am your host, Rebecca, and I'm here with my husband, Sam. Today, we have a, an exciting testimony interview with BMX rider Louis Cortesi. Louis started racing motocross when he was three years old. He now rides for Stunt Dudes, which is a team of professional athletes that put on live-action sports shows. They go all over the world to spread the gospel by using the tools of BMX. When Louis was 18 years old, he invited Jesus into his life. He said, My life changed just like a light switch, immediate. From that time, I recognized something I couldn't explain. And all of a sudden, the Lord just grabbed a hold of me and said, This is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to do it. On this episode of the podcast, Cortesi shares his journey on how a BMX rider became a storyteller for Christ. And then later, stay tuned at the end for, this, for his wild love story. You're really going to enjoy this interview from 2022. I grew up uh, at the, at, since birth in the Catholic Church, and uh, I never really understood it. The, the big thing for me was I never understood who Jesus was. I never understood what God was or who God was, in a sense. I never understood anything that had to do with afterlife. I think primarily because I was so young. And if I'm being completely honest, I I vaguely remember anything from <laughs> the Catholic Church. Moving forward, uh, from the time I probably was around 7 to the age 11, my family ended up going from the Catholic Church into a Christian church due to the fact that my dad was starting a business in the same complex as this uh, Christian church, non-denominational Christian church that was in the uh, same complex. Okay. And so we started going there, and that's when I was first introduced to the stories of the Bible. So initially, uh, I never felt like until I was probably a lot older that I understood what my relationship with Christ or my understood my life, like giving my life over to the Lord or dedicating my life to the Lord. I felt like that came, honestly, when I was a lot older, when I was 18 years old, maybe. I had this kind of understanding of who God was from the age of 7 to 11 and on because of these stories and all these things, and I felt like I kind of said the, the Lord's Prayer because the every Sunday that they were saying it rather than uh, actually <laughs> actually uh, like knowing it in my heart that I was truly believing in what, what I was being taught. So my family, they, uh, they kind of had everything when I was growing up. I... I was very blessed, and we had every worldly toy that you could ever think of. When I was three years old, my dad put me on a dirt bike, and he ended up uh, having this bright idea that, you know what, we should pursue motocross. So I started racing motocross when I was three. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I was three years old, and uh, we ended up living in Coral Springs, Florida. So there was only one track called Pepsi Ardenia. And that was it. Uh, so we rode there every weekend and uh, kind of chased this little bit of a dream. Like we were having fun. My dad rode. My brother rode. And then all of a sudden we're like, you know what? We should we should have our own facility. We should take things to the next level and we should find a property. It would be, it would be my dad's dream and my parents' dream uh, to have their own uh, big property that we could kind of like build an extra house on and kind of have like a compound and kind of be away from the city. So we sold our house in Coral Springs and at age... Uh, six or seven, which is right around the time that we were first introduced to uh, the, ch the new church. 
in Groveland, Florida, we had this big house with 20 acres, and my dad built me a uh, like 5,000 square foot warehouse, whatever it was, with all of our toys, and we had a big supercross track and motocross track, and every worldly possession that you would ever need to have a kid start pursuing a racing career. This is so through, this is so amazing. That, <laughs> so through this, I ended. I was blessed with the opportunity to uh, be homeschooled and spend pretty much every single day with my dad. Uh, uh, I, I still through this time. I, I'm, I'm going. The timeline that we're in right now is ages seven to eleven. I was with my dad every day. We were going to the track. We were riding at home every day, and uh, I was just doing schoolwork and riding. Doing schoolwork and riding. And when, when the restaurant got was open, I was at the restaurant doing homework and working at ages 7 to 11. I was cutting pepperonis in the pizza shop, stretching dough with my grandmother. I was working in the shop with my dad. So it was working, school, <laughs> and uh, riding dirt bikes. And that was my entire life. So your dad was in the restaurant business? Yep. So my, uh, my grandparents are first-generation Italians to the country. And um, in Buffalo, New York, they started one restaurant, which later on created 14 restaurants. And when they moved away from Buffalo, New York, um, they had a couple restaurants in Fort Lauderdale. And my dad, when we moved out of Coral Springs to Groveland, my dad wanted to open up a business because it was a small town. And he figured that we would grow with the city. And uh, he basically wanted to pay tribute to his father and what he did for him. So uh, he ended up calling this restaurant Louie and Gino's, which is my, bro- my brother's name and my name. And it was Louie and Gino's Avenue Pizza. And uh, so, like I said, every single day, that's where I pretty much I was. was homeschooled, so I was doing schoolwork in there, and I was working and going to the dirt bike track. Would I recognize yeah. the name of the other restaurant chain? Uh, if you're from the Buffalo, New York area, 100%. They were called Avenue Pizza. Okay. It's actually, two, I think there's about two or three of them still left floating around up there uh, that family, friends own and such, but Avenue Pizza was what they were called. Okay. And because I was homeschooled, I was at the restaurant so much. So two of my best friends now to this day, Isaiah and TJ McCoy, their dad was the pastor of the church, Hope International, which his name is Tony McCoy. And he is an NFL, he was an NFL player for the Colts. And so since we were basically a couple of days down from him, I spent every day with TJ and Isaiah. And we spent a lot of time together and we just became best friends. And we kind of like grew up together in a way. And because of my friendship there, I ended up starting to attend the church a lot more, and my family started going. And later on, I started to realize that uh, from watching my parents, that church was not this. It, it was meant. I don't. It wasn't meant for us in a way. I saw stress of like what we had to wear. I felt. I saw my parents getting angry and arguing before they would go to church. It added more stress than it gave like comfort or mm. learning to me and I and I saw that in a young age when I saw that which I don't blame my parents I mean there, there were things that were going on that uh, greatly affected us in the future that I, that I had no idea about but I had a kind of a bad introduction in a way to church and I kind of almost in a way pushed it away before I even know really really knew what it was everything was going good uh, with my family's life like I said we were very blessed and in 2008 when the economy crashed my family, no joke, lost everything. No. Uh, we, and uh, I talk about it on podcasts a lot, and, and, and this is a big part of, of, the, of the story or testimony, many would say. But uh, in one year's time, 
we lost our home, we lost our business, my dad was diagnosed with cancer, we oh. lost my grandfather to leukemia, and I was in the hospital with one of the worst injuries of my entire motocross career. Oh, no. I am 24 years of age, and I've broken the same amount of bones as my age due to motocross. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was in the hospital uh, fighting for my life while um, my dad was in and out of the hospital due to cancer. And oh. I had no, I had no idea that when my family was losing everything, that I had no idea that it was this, this crash, this economic crash. I didn't know there was financial problems. I didn't know any of this. But what I saw was my family backing me. I saw my family giving me everything. I, I felt a lot of pressure on myself. If I would have rode bit better, maybe this wouldn't have happened. If, if I if, if I would have won that race, maybe my parents wouldn't be in this position. And at mm. uh, 11 years old, I had my first suicidal thought. And I was, no joke, wanting to commit suicide at a very young age. I had no idea what that even was, but there was this voice that, this voice that was almost like a tormenting voice that came to me in the middle of the night. It was like, like it's all your fault. This is it's just condemning. This is all your fault. You mm. you should just you should just end your life now. You should come to me now. Like you know where a gun is. You should do this night. And I remember just crying my eyes out because I heard my fam, my my mother and my father arguing through through something that was going on through this difficult time. And I genuinely was watching my family crumble. And I was like, man, like it is all my fault. Oh. I started to have spirit, so, so I had spiritual attacks at 11 years old. So my life quickly, as an 11-year-old kid, switched from being a kid to an adult. From the time I was 11 to now, I've been so driven to help my family. But it's amazing that through that time of watching my family uh, lose everything, I realized that there was a story to be told through this. Yeah, we lost our house. Yeah, we lost our business. Yeah, we lost cars. Yeah, we lost all this stuff. But my family went from a 3,000-square-foot house to an 800-square-foot house, mm. and we all got really close together. And I watched my, my parents' marriage start to get happier mm. it, it, through a hard time. So it was interesting because we haven't even touched on the faith part because it was interesting to watch my family and my mother and my father kind of like spend more time together and value the little things that they got to do together. Like going out to dinner or going to like downtown Disney for dinner, whatever it is, they were excited. They were happy. When they had all the money in the world, they had everything, I saw them argue more than really be happy together. Isn't they that ironic? There was always something going on. And so my, uh, so looking at that, I saw like the Lord say, I'm going to take everything away from you so all that you have is each other. Mm. And I, I hold that so close to me now because still to this day, my parents are in that same exact little house and they're still slowly but surely climbing up out of, out of a hole and they're making decisions, they're failing and they're succeeding and, 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 they're, and they're trying every single day. The, the biggest issue that I saw through this time was I blamed the church for what they did and did not do. I saw people that were close to us not really lend a hand out but take advantage of the situation and, and it's sad but you know what like people are imperfect and you have to show grace for grace to do and sorry to go on this long tangent about that one question but like my faith was immediately jeopardized because of not not because of the situation but because of the people that surrounded the situation oh. and so and so i when my 
family lost everything, uh, we still tried to do motocross. We, tried, we still tried to pursue it. We did everything we could. We, we, my dad was uh, bought like a $500 truck with no floorboards in it and gas fumes coming into it. We were still going to the track making it happen, using quarters for uh, for gas, using quarters to get a McDonald's hamburger. You know, it's like mm. it, it's so many things that we learned through that time. And we, yeah, we called ourselves Christians, but like we were never riding motocross for the Lord. You know, like God wasn't the center of that. But uh, in First Peter, it says, "Do not be surprised when the fiery child comes upon you to test you, as if those strange things were happening to you. But rejoice in so far that you can share in Christ's sufferings." And like for me, hearing that now, I look back on my life and I look back on the trials and things that we are dealing with, and it it, it and it's so amazing that God is so faithful that He taught us so much through that time. And that only came from spiritual maturity now, because if you get if you get a dirt bike taken away from you and a dream taken away from you, and you were told your entire life that those two things, a dirt bike and motocross, is going to be your life, and you dedicate everything to it from the time you were three years old to the time you're basically 18 years old, you dedicate everything, which is, I'm only 24 years old, so my entire life was dedicated, so far was dedicated to motocross. And when that got ripped away from me, the next best thing was a BMX bike. I was training on my road bike, going down, still still had no real idea of faith. I, I had these, these spiritual things happening that I couldn't really explain. Like my injury was that my injury, I broke every rib on my side and I ruptured my spleen. My rib went through my spleen. And uh, right before surgery, uh, my mother and, and one of our friends, uh, Michael J. Fox, which is a not the author, but one of our friends from Florida, they prayed over me. And right before surgery, the doctor comes in and uh, says, like, hey, he doesn't need surgery. There's a sewing on his spleen. And so... There's a what on your spleen? There's a what? There was a sewing on my spleen. Like, my my spleen was sewed back together. There was no bleeding. How crazy. So I didn't need my spleen removed, which I was about to go into surgery for. Unbelievable. My mom was, was always the prayer warrior, and that was one thing that I noticed. Like, everyone's faith was like non-existent but my mother's faith was very 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 real and that was one thing that i remembered uh, from a very young age even to now and so i feel like even my own my own faith and my dad's faith and my brother's faith it, i think it strictly came from my mom just praying for us every single day mm. and dedicating so much time and effort to pour into our lives and but the one thing that i realized um with bmx was i wanted to from the problem I wanted to run away I had these spiritual things that have happened to me that I couldn't explain like feelings and all these things and I never I never really entertained it until uh, I got involved in BMX to be a bad kid and <laughs> to run away from the problem and then uh, within four years of riding BMX I was working a job that I didn't like and I was kind of just finished high school I was done with it all these things and I worked a job that wasn't for me, and I looked at my my life, and I was like, man, like this is what my time's worth. Is this like this is where I ended up? Like, I had a job with a bunch of guys that this is their last job. This is their life. Fresh out of prison type of guys, and just labor work, and I was doing everything I could just to support my family, and I had no idea that all these worldly things that I was trying to do financially, all these things, it was never going to help my family. 
as much as just praying for my family would. Mm. And so I will never, I'll never forget. It was just like a light switch. My faith changed like a light switch. I was 18 or 19 years old, and I looked at my life. I was in this aisle, and I just broke down. I said, God, if you're even real, I, 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 I don't know. I don't understand. I, I, these spiritual things, whatever. If you're even real, I pray that you just open the door for my life that I know is you, and I'll take that door. And as long as you just protect my family and you have my family, family's back, I'll dedicate my life to you, and I'll go wherever you call me to go. And I had broke down in tears. And obviously, it sounds cheesy because it's like, oh, you're you're making like a, a deal with God, which is, in reality, it, I'm not doing that. I was just young and young in faith. I had no idea. And I was just like, God, like I care about my family so much. I don't want to be selfish. And you give me something that is only going to help me. Just please help my family. And right after that, like the very next day, I ended up like picking up something too fast and I pulled something in my back. So I had to go to the little clinic or whatever. And as I'm sitting in the clinic, his head down, already like kind of beaded. Uh, I get an email from a monster, Monster Energy. And it was a contract to join their athlete program. And I was just like, that's a sign. Boom, let's go. I quit my job. <laughs> job that day. And I was like, that's a sign. And it sounds funny because it's not that big of a deal. But to me, it was the biggest deal in the world. Well, and that experience you had, did you say it was in a store? Yeah, it was in like a warehouse, labor work. Okay. A warehouse picker. And do you do you view that moment as the moment you were born again? I don't think it was the moment that I was born again. I feel like it was the first time I opened the door to my heart to the Lord. Uh-huh. I, because to me, uh, my saying is that the door to the heart opens from the inside, and God is the one who knocks. Mm. And so for me, that was the first time I stepped out into okay, okay, Lord, like I'm desperate. Uh, I, I'm, I'm at rock bottom. I don't know if you're there, but I, I need to know that you are. And so when when that happened, it triggered something. I, I it was almost like a light switch. It was immediate for me. I remember going on my Instagram and I put God first on my Instagram because that's what I believed Christians did. I'm like, I want people to know I'm a Christian now because God has revealed Himself to me. So I guess I'm a Christian. I never said the Lord's prayer. I never. Uh, confessed my sins and, and said, okay, Lord, like, uh, you, you are the, like, you are my God, like, you are everything. I never did that. I never, I don't even think I had ever truly even heard the gospel before. It was just something in me that was like, hey, I need to pray. And I put God first in my bio, because that's what Christians do. And, and it's funny, because it, 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 it usually the people who put a, a Bible verse or a God first in the bio usually is not the best person you want to hang out with sometimes, sadly, today. <laughs> And so I was like, as long as, long as that gets the message to other people that I'm a Christian and it sounds good to me. Shortly after that, maybe a week later uh, or two weeks later, I get a DM from a guy by the name of John Andrus, and he runs this ministry team called The Stunt Dudes. And The Stunt Dudes um, are a team of guys, Vic Murphy, John Andrus, that go all over the world to spread the gospel, to share the, share the good news by using the tools of DMX. And he... DM me and said, hey, man, I noticed you had God first in your bio. Uh, are you, uh, do you want to come do two weeks of shows with us in South Carolina? And that was the first time. Uh, I had no idea that that would be the first time that uh, I'd get the opportunity to do Christian BMX shows. And mm. by that one message would forever 
changed the course of my life. My faith started in complete desperation, and then I got to learn about my faith and about the God that I believe in from the people that I was around, like John Andrus and Vic Murphy and those guys. They they basically took me under, un, unknowingly, took me under their wing and taught me everything that today I know about the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I don't tell them, I, I, I don't think I've ever said that out loud, in all honesty. And I am so grateful and so blessed that my life changed just like a light switch, mm-hmm. like immediate from that time that I, I recognized the Lord. I recognized something that I couldn't explain. And all of a sudden, the Lord just grabbed a hold of me and said, this is what you're going to do, and this is how you're going to do it. So it, I had no idea. Go ahead. If it wasn't the moment in the store, then are you saying it was a short time after that? It was definitely, it was definitely a short time after that. It was after, I'll, I'll never forget, it was after the first round of shows that I did with the Sun Dudes and with this organization called Life Life. It was right after. Uh, the team had left, and I needed to get, I was about to leave to drive back home to Florida. And I'll never forget sitting in this little cabin, and I had opened up my journal. And I opened it up, and my first words in the journal were, I don't know if this is true, but I just feel the presence of the Lord in this place. Hmm. And it was the first, it was, it was, it was the second time that I had felt this almost like a light like the presence of light and this like comforting feeling when I was sitting there alone writing in my journal. Mm. It was the same feeling that I felt when, uh, when I had gotten that email, when I had had that confirmation for the Lord. And then, and it, to me, it was just connected. It, everything happened so fast. And now I look back on it now, even just having this conversation, I'm just, I'm just like, man, like the Lord was in the center of my life. Since I, since I was three years old, in all honesty. Mm. Like, I know he's the center of my life before that, at birth, obviously, but, like, there, from the age of three to now, there has been so many things that have happened that just point to the Lord. And now, as I've matured in my faith, God has revealed to me over time that I, he was always there. And now, like, it makes me emotional because... There have been so many times in between that before faith that I just completely denied God. I mocked God. I, in a way, I, I hated God hmm. because of the people that represented Him, you know. And I, and now learning, it's like we're supposed to be good represent, representations of Christ, and the way that we walk is supposed to mimic the Lord in a way. And I, I hold that so close to my heart that I never want anyone to stumble because of my decisions, you know? Mm. And so, sorry for going on, going off the, the road a little bit, but definitely in that moment uh, when I got that first email and then when I was sitting there at that table after the first show, I knew that, God, that the God that I believe in is the Lord of my life and he, he is who I'm going to follow to the end. Mm. And from that moment on, from that one show, the rest of the year was ministry, 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 ministry. And it was pretty crazy to me that God called me to him and grabbed a hold of me. And in a way, it was very similar to how God, how Jesus just chose, like, the first disciples. Like, he goes, follow me, I'll make you fishers among men. Mm. 
of me now because that's how I was just drawn to the Lord. Like I was just on, I was locked in on the roller coaster and I was going wherever he called me to go. And it was very shot at the hip. Nothing was planned. But one by one by one, all these shows throughout the year just started to trickle off. And I started to very much learn a lot about my life, a lot about my past. And I just value, <laughs> I value those two incidents where the Lord first revealed it, revealed himself to me very graciously. And, and just, it's pretty awesome. <laughs> that's, that's beautiful. But it's, I love the way God orchestrates people and circumstances to draw you in. I mean, you felt him to a certain extent as a very young person, but everything along the way was gradually wooing your heart in in more significant ways. Did your did your family were they able to rebuild at all with start a new restaurant or anything? So after that happening, my my father uh, met a guy and. Um, they ended up going in together on a restaurant, and it did very well immediately. And then there were some complications and issues with that man's health. And before my before uh, he could sign anything over to my dad, he ended up passing away. And the kids of that guy who passed away, which helped my father start the business, were not the nicest people. And uh, my dad had to hit the restart button again. Oh. The restart button again. And there was about two or three times since after that that he's had to hit the restart button. And it's been... It's been difficult, uh, I, I will not lie, to see uh, my dad and my family in the position that they're in, but I, I believe that the Lord still has a plan for their life and that there's something that uh, that God has for them 100%. And it might not be today, it might not be tomorrow, it might not be a year from now, I don't know that. But I know that they're on track to whatever the Lord has for them or they're right where they need to be. Because I never uh, I never saw my dad uh, really dedicate his life to the Lord or uh, openly do that. It wasn't until um, 2020 that I got to witness that firsthand. Oh. So there was a long, there was a long time in between uh, from the every us losing everything to 2020. <laughs> so yeah, hmm. pretty crazy. Now is he still connected though with the family? You know that has all these other restaurants. So the way that my grandfather works, my grandfather passed stuff on. People without any time. I actually found a book uh, after my grandfather passed away that I, I hold close to me. I have it tucked away, and it is a book of all of the cash loans that my grandfather gave to people, and why, and who they were, the payment plan for that, then to bring that back, and stuff like that, and pay that forward, pay it back. And there's all of these little uh, these little notes for every loan, and it wasn't small loans. It was fifty grand. It was. 100 grand, 450 grand, all cash loans that my grandfather gave away. Wow. And they had, and yeah, it was, it was pretty epic, pretty crazy. And uh, when my grandfather passed away, none of that money got returned. And uh, the stories that are still there to this day uh, have no ties to my last name, my family. And when my family lost everything, there was a lot of people that turned their back on my family. And it was, uh, it, it's tough. It's really tough. And I talked to my cousin about it. Uh, my cousin told me, uh, I'll never forget, he said, he goes, you do not understand what your grandfather and your dad did for people. He goes, and they're very Italian. They're like, if if I got my brothers together, and if your, if your grandfather was still here, whatever, he goes, they would be knocking down doors for that money. It would be, be like the mafia. And I laugh about it because they get so Italian and Italian mafia style. But uh, they, they were givers, and they always have been, even still to this day. 
when I look back at my dad uh, and what he did for me, he did everything for me, man. Like he gave, he, he really, he really gave me the world. Mm. And the Lord, the Lord, my dad, the Lord blessed me with an amazing earthly father. He's flawed and he has problems just like everyone else. But man, uh, the experiences that I got to have with him being on the road and traveling and, and doing motocross was something that I I can only pray that I get to experience when I get to be a dad one day. Oh. And one of the most amazing things that uh, I can really talk about when it comes to my faith just in general is God took me on a roller coaster for, for years after that. Uh, I've been riding for the Sun Dunes for about four or five years now, and uh, went, uh, I've been riding for another ministry called Real Encounter, and uh, the Lord has kept me on the road full time. <laughs> uh, in 2020, um, there was a turning point in my life. Uh, again, I ended up was uh, getting into freestyle motocross because it was the perfect cross between BMX and dirt bike. And like, mess the two together, freestyle motocross, easy. I can jump a 75 jump. 75 foot jump, no problem. Like, let's do it. Mm. I invested into a brand new van. I invested into a dirt bike. And within the first month of me riding freestyle motocross, I was doing uh, shows for Monster Jam. I was blessed out opportunity. I was making good money. But uh, the Bible is very clear that you can only, you can't serve God and money. And mm. I started to get pulled away and enticed by my selfish desire for money uh, and what it could do for my family if I made more, if I did these shows instead of ministry shows, if I did this, if I did that. And it was kind of messed up because I knew, I knew by choosing money, it was wrong, but it, it felt so good immediately mm. that I just started to get, my faith started to take a hit and I started to get pulled away. And it wasn't until uh, February 10th of 2020, I made a mistake, a simple mistake. I could have done this trick in my, with my eyes closed. I was just practicing. And I made a simple mistake, and I just fell over, basically. Just a little fall over. And then I ended up dislocating my shoulder down into my ribcage. I tore my rotator, my rotator cuff, my labrum, and my bicep all in one. Oh, my. I hit the, when I hit the ground, I rem- I'll never forget this. That presence of light, that, that comforting feeling, I felt it over me. When I was laying on the ground, my head on the ground, my shoulder dislocated, and it was, it was immediate. I felt the Lord tell me, if you fall and you can't get back up, how are you going to do my will? Mm. And that stuck with me because immediately I realized what I had done. I immediately realized that I put got the money before God. I immediately realized that I was stepping into a direction that the Lord did not have planned for me. That I, was, I was stepping out of his will in a way. And I know by theology, we can go back and forth if that's true or not. But to me personally, I was stepping away from the Lord and I was chasing money rather than God. And uh, <laughs> I, I, I knew, I, I just knew it. And my shoulder was out for over four hours. Like it was a bad separation. And uh, I ended up just with, long story short, within 24 hours, I'd already seen a doctor, got my shoulder put back in and was going into the room for an MRI because I had shows the next weekend. I'm like, okay, like I got to get all this stuff done. Luckily, because of so many injuries I've had, I'm blessed with really good surgeons and really good doctors that are around me. My doctor ended up not being there, though. So I was like, okay, this is weird. So I ended up going to a new doctor that I didn't know. And he was very arrogant, very rude. And so when he looked at me, he looked at my shoulder, looked at my MRI and said, I've been doing this for such and such a long time, and I've never seen a shoulder this bad. Oh my! And I'm, I looked at him. I'm like, okay, so I can like put a brace on and I can go ride this weekend. He goes, he goes, you may never ride again. 
And I'm like, what? He goes, this is, uh, this is big. And I, 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 I'm, we're going to have to look into ways of fixing that. I looked at him and I'm like, you're wrong. Like, like, who, who, like you're not my doctor. You don't know. <laughs> and I ended up walking out of the, uh, I ended up walking out of the doctor's office crying and just upset. Oh my. And I just told my mom, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, like screw that guy. Like very upset and cursed at him basically. And I was just so angry. I was just filled with anger and hatred. And, uh, I ended up going to another doctor that I felt like, Oh, see, see the Lord, like, see, like, see mom, like the Lord lined this guy up for me. This is the real doctor that can tell me that I can ride. And, uh, I ended up going to the best surgeon in our, in Orlando, uh, ended up meeting him in, in passing one time. And, uh, man, he looked at me dead in the face and he said, I can't do your surgery. He was the only person I would trust to do the surgery. A hundred percent would be Tom Brady's surgeon in California. Like, really? Without a doubt. And so, uh, I get on the phone, my insurance company, they're like, yeah, it'll be like 50 grand. We'll pay half. I'm like, yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, just left angry again, ended up going back to that same surgeon and uh, I had no idea what the Lord was truly doing and uh, scheduled my surgery and then it got pushed back again and then it got pushed back again and I was already devastated because I was supposed to make more money than I knew what to do with and I had all these shows I was fully booked the entire year oh my and uh, man uh, it got pushed back another week and I get a phone call saying hey due to this virus that's coming up uh, we're canceling your uh your surgery until further notice. I'm like, what? I fell February 10th. I didn't get surgery till the end of July. Or no, end of June, sorry. End of June. Wow. So, almost however long time, it was probably the darkest moments of my entire life. I became very depressed. I was in a relationship that uh, I was unfaithful in and I was just making bad choices left and right. I was not a good representation of Christ at all. And I pulled away from the church. I pulled away from everything. And I just got mad at God because I was like a kid that got his favorite toy taken away. But I didn't realize that that moment that I was dealing with, it was just basically reliving the same trauma of when I watched my family lose everything. It was like history repeating itself. And through that time, I ended up getting into skateboarding and this guy that I met uh, just kind of like spoke into my life and told me something and I was I was just riding at, uh, at a skate park that was like away from my uh, house that would like no one would notice me at because everywhere I go uh, in my local area I bump into someone that I know and so I was just kind of hiding from everyone. <laughs> I hid from my parents, I hid from my girlfriend, I hid from just the world. Like I just didn't I just saw shows going on, and I, it just, it broke me. And I never wanted to just go to the Lord about it. I didn't. Until uh, a pastor approached me that was from the church that I went to when I was a young kid. And already I kind of had a red flag. I'm like, nope, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want to talk. Like, like uh, I don't want to have dinner with you or lunch with you. And my mom was like, why don't you just trust them? Like, go out and have lunch with them. And yeah, he gave me an opportunity, and he, he asked me if I would uh, be willing to come into his church to help start a young adult ministry because I needed a present uh, for young adults. And at first I said no, I had wanted nothing to do with it. 
100% believe is the Lord to say, you're going to do this. Like, this is what you need to do. Mm. And I ended up reaching out to that pastor, and uh, we ended up starting this ministry called Rope, R-O-B-E. And uh, went from six kids to 10 to 20, and it ended up growing into an even bigger young adult uh, ministry, which was, which was rad, and the Lord blessed it. But I will ne- I'll never forget that guy that I met at that skate park. I was just skateboarding around where no one would know me, no one would see me. And this big dude just sitting in the skate park, it was just him and I, he was almost like yelling at me, like, hey, man, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, dude, how's it going, dude? I'm like, whatever. Had to put my headphones in. <laughs> and he starts saying things, and then he captures my attention with, you're not a skateboarder, are you? You're a bike rider. And I just kind of like looked over at him like, this is weird. <laughs> All right, well, I guess I'll have a conversation with you. And so I go over to him, and we just start we just start to talk in, and I was kind of uh, just quiet, trying to re- regain this idea of faith because of the ministry and because of people I was around. Like I started to to kind of walk slowly towards the Lord again, and in reality, I don't think I was in a position to be a leader at all or anything. But the Lord was just like, "I'll work through you. Like, like just just be present." And um. The, the pastor of the church wanted me to speak on Sunday to the main congregation, but they weren't opening, so I would have to do this, like, live stream. And I was just kind of like, okay, I'll just, I'll just prepare something. Like, it's easy, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. Uh, okay, God, if you want me to do that, sure. And in the middle of the conversation with this guy, he asks me, he goes, he goes can I ask you a question? I'm like, yeah, sure. Weird guy that I've never met before. And he goes, <laughs> What do you know about entertaining angels? And I looked at him, I'm like, oh, well, my mom believes in it, and I, and I believe in it, and yeah, uh, yeah, I believe in it. And he goes, okay, cool. So uh, tell me about yourself. Completely goes, just just ask me the question, and then just moved on. I'm like, never thought about it. I didn't think twice about it. I was like, okay, awkward, kind of weird guy anyway. <laughs> we start to get into the conversation. We start talking about uh, the Lord. We start talking about just the world, how it, where it is, and he, he, he just... He's like, man, I, there's, there's kids in Texas that I wish, like, a ministry could wander out to them. And using all these words that kind of, like, were connected to what uh, the Lord was placing in my life. And he just kind of stops me in my tracks when I was talking. And he goes, you know why I'm here? I'm like, oh. He goes, I sit on the opposite side of this park every morning. And the Lord told me to sit right here and wait for you to have a conversation with you. Hmm. I'm like, whoa. That's weird. And he goes. The Lord wants to relay a message to you. And I'm like, okay, what, what, what do you mean? He goes, whatever it is that you're going to say on Sunday, you're going to say it, and it's going to change someone's life. And he just gave me a big hug and prayed for me. And as I'm leaving, he said, uh, I cannot wait to see what the, what the Lord does through you. I cannot wait to see it. Hmm. And I'll never forget that moment when I walked away. And I got to my car, and I go to reach for the door handle, and I turn around, and I'm like, why did he ask me that first question? And I turn around, and he's gone. Mm. And I never saw him again. Never heard from him. He was not in the park. Like, gone. And there's only one way in and one way out. He was not there. That is so wild. I get a phone call that very same day from the pastor of the church. He goes, hey. Sunday, we're opening up, like, you're speaking on Sunday in front of the main uh, icon 
situation. Like, we're good to go. Like, I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, we're good. And I'm still in a sling at the time. Like, I hadn't even got surgery yet. Like, he's like, no, we're good to go. And I'm like, okay. Sunday, Sunday rolls around. I call my mom. She's in tears. Sunday rolls around. My mom's out of town. It was the first time that my dad was in the in a church with me, my brother, my ex-girlfriend. All these people were together in a church. And it was the first time I think we've been in church together since I was probably seven or eight, nine years old, honestly. And uh, I had no idea what I was going to talk about. If I'm being completely honest, I had no idea. I just remember this, this verse this verse that really like spoke to me, which was um, in James, where it talks about, I think it's James 4, where it talks about, for who are you to say that you can go into such a certain town, trade there for a year and make a profit, for you do not know what tomorrow will bring, for what is your life, your admits that appears for a little time and then vanishes. He said, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we can do this or that. And like, that spoke to me in my life because I was just very submissive to the Lord back before that, and, I, and that's what grabbed a hold of me again with that verse, and that's what sparked love was from that verse. And mm. uh, I go in, I, I speak a message, and I was blessed the opportunity, oh man, it's really, ooh, I was blessed the opportunity to do the altar call, and the first person that stood up was my dad. Wow. And I just, I just broke down. I broke down immediately. And I was just like, how could I have been so selfish? How could I have been like, like God? Oh my, oh my God, God! Like, there's no way. I fell, I suffered for this, for this moment. Like, thank you. Like, I, like I'll suffer again. Like, I don't care. Like, mm. it just broke me. And I, I, after that, I ended up getting almost like depressed because I was so just like, it, the Lord hit me so hard, and. Satan just came after me as hard as he could. He, he did not want me to go back to the Lord. He did not want me to draw near, near to the Lord. He wanted to pull me down and bring me down so much and condemn me. And I let go of that leash that Satan had on me. And I ended up completely just turning my life around and again. And I ended up getting out of that relationship and was still making bad decisions here and there. Obviously, not perfect. A 22 year old kid running around like crazy in the BMX world doing shows and uh, I was doing shows with the circus as well as the ministry and kind of like caught in between both worlds anyway mm. uh, between the Lord and between the, the world and that moment again it was like a light switch I said I'm done I give up Lord I give up everything to you I can't be in this relationship anymore. I can't do this. I can't do that. Like I, if it's not you, if you're not the center of my life, I don't want to do it. When I fell and I hit the ground and I heard, if you can't get back up, how are you going to do my will? I realized that the Lord was not the center of my riding. I was, I was identifying myself as Louis the BMX rider, not a child of God, not not an evangelist, not God was not the center of my life. He wasn't the center of my riding. I was using BMX as a tool, our ministry as a tool to make money, and I felt like that was a good thing. Like, the Lord was blessing me, whatever, cool. But it was that moment when I watched my dad give his life for the Lord that I knew very well, again, this is a plan for you. Mm. Well, God had revealed that to me uh, from so many other things that were going on in my life and, and history, and there's other podcasts where I've talked about that before as well. And, like, the one thing that I don't think I've ever got the opportunity to say after my dad giving his life over to the Lord was, like, I broke down 
and I said to I said to my I said to the Lord in my shower crying, I need God, I need someone to come into my life to be my wife. I need someone that can be my partner. I, I don't want her to have anything to do with action sports. Like she could be blonde, that would be awesome. This is, and I just prayed like this specific prayer. Just in this breakdown moment, again, very similar to when I was younger and had that breakdown moment. Like God, like open the door of my life. And uh, man, surely enough, <laughs> surely enough, he would answer that prayer. I went in for surgery right after that. I had no idea that my surgeon was a Christian and mm-hmm. all the uh, my nurses were Christian. And I go in, I write before I go in, I write on this piece of paper in my notebook, that same notebook that I, uh, my journal. Uh, I said, I feel like the Lord's about to do something to glorify him. And uh, I go in for surgery and pass out. I wake up, my mom's sitting at the foot of the bed, which is a similar sight that I've been, been accustomed to. Uh, wake up and she's just laughing and crying and I'm like, oh my gosh, my aunt, my arm must be gone or something. Like, she, uh, 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 whatever. I had no idea what was going on. And uh, she goes, can I tell him? And he goes, yeah. She's like, or she's like, do you want to tell him? He's like, yeah, you know what? Sure. And he goes, so your rotator cuff is at 100% health. Your bicep was at 100% health. And uh, I just stitched up your labrum with like five anchors. You went from a, a year recovery, if, if not more, to maybe four to six weeks maybe no way and it was six it was not even six weeks later i was performing at a show in michigan a christian show in michigan during covid performing that is remarkable and yet again man the lord was just like this is what you're going to do and this is how you're going to do it Hmm. that is beautiful that prayer that i prayed about a girl uh, a wife to come into my life i had no idea that I would leave for a show shortly after that prayer, um, and uh, I would meet my wife mm. at that show. Mm. I, I I always say when people ask me about my faith that my faith truly started with my wife. Like it started in BMX and started like that, but my life was truly renewed when I got married. Oh, I. The, the missing piece in my life, like, I have everything that I could ever want. Obviously, there's worldly things, but, like, I get the opportunity to hang out with people all over the world, tell people about Christ. Sometimes I, I fail to do that, and I'm human, and sometimes I'm, I don't make the best decisions. And you know what? Uh, God is my judge, and uh, hopefully, one, hopefully one day, when I make it to heaven, he'll tell me, like, well done, my good and faithful servant. I hope. I hope it's not all for nothing, but you know what? If it is, then uh, I, I, I hope that the people that I got to lead to Christ get to make it there and stay strong and, and multiply disciples. So the one thing that I sat with, I was going to a show that was not a Christian show. It was around the people that always got me in trouble, hmm. the, the crazy guys, the motley crew type dudes. And for some reason, I felt like I had to go there to this show in Chicago. And... Uh, I really enjoy coffee. It's a big passion of mine. And I remember downloading this app, Bumble, and I've never uh, I've never outwardly spoken about this in a podcast or anything like that. But I feel like I'm supposed to now because it just is a, it's just part of my testimony now. I ended up downloading this app called Bumble, which is all the guys used to hook up with girls, and uh, it's kind of a toxic 
remember like putting in my bio, I'm like, I don't want anything. I don't want anything from anyone. Come save me and go get a cup of coffee from, because I, I had to stay at the RV the whole time at the show, like, or it was going to strip clubs or bars. You know what? I'll sit in the RV. And uh, this girl, she matches me on there. And uh, I sent her like a six paragraph long essay on me not being a mass murderer. <laughs> I was real and I just really wanted to have a good conversation and coffee. And uh, I sent her my phone number at the bottom and I deleted the app after that. Because I didn't want that gateway. I didn't want to get entertained by anything else. I said, okay, if this girl hits me up, we're cool. And that's it. <laughs> Two days later, I get a text from this girl named Kenzie. And I'm like, who the heck is Kenzie? <laughs> I'm like, oh, wait, it's that really cute girl that I, I saw on there. And she ended up coming and picking me up. And uh, that day that we met, I got to present the gospel to her. The day that we met, she was not a believer. And I had no idea that we, that Sunday when we met, the following Sunday, she would fly to Florida. And the following Sunday after that, we would be married. Unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> That's a whirl, whirlwind romance. <laughs> oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, and my life was forever changed, and it's continuing to change. Marriage is, is not easy. We, we went into marriage thinking that uh, because we get married, all of the things that we dealt with would not come into the marriage. Like, oh, yeah. Amazing. And I know there's a, there's a measure of faith, but like 
she dissects things and she just dives in. Like she tells, she teaches me every day something new about the Lord. It's almost <laughs> like stressful. I'm like, where are you coming up with this? Like, how do you figure this out? Like, where did this come from? And she's just invested 24 seven. And so when, to answer your very first question that you asked after this, uh, however long, hour long conversation to answer the question, my, my faith truly started when I really, when I got married, huh. uh, two, two became one. And it's like, Yeah. Well, that is a beautiful story. I love I love it from start to finish. You've been uh, more than generous with your time and giving me a, a really full picture of who you are and how the Lord has led you. It's it's quite a quite a story. So uh, thank you for sharing all that with me. Thank you. Thanks for asking me to, to do this. I love I, I love doing this. And the one thing that I always tell everyone. Uh, when they meet me is when I, when I tell them about my faith, I don't say hey, I'm a Christian or I'm this or I'm an I'm evangelist. No, I, I just say I'm a storyteller for Christ <laughs> because truly that's what I am. My, my, the story, my life story is not the testimony of Jesus. And I get to that opportunity to use what God has done in my life as a tool to share the gospel. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Best of the God Reports podcast. To find more interesting podcasts, continue to listen to earlier episodes or go to GodReports.com and read all the incredible stories of God working around the world.